Another warm welcome to everybody who's joined us for our evening service, which is throughout the whole day has been different today um, as we are incorporating much more prayer into our regular service that we might normally do to flow with the very last hours, some 66 already, uh, and very last hours up to midnight tonight. And after this, um, I, I will be going into the prayer room and uh, joining you. And especially tonight, in the last 15 minutes, 11.45, I'll be there so that I can just pray a blessing over all of you and all of those who have participated in our 72 hours of prayer, fasting, and seeking the face of the Lord. Now, I want to go straight into the Word, which will lead us into more prayer and worship, I'm sure. I'd like to turn you to the book of Isaiah. And if you open at Isaiah chapter 60, and I'm going to just do something a little different here uh, with chapter 59, chapter 60, and chapter 61. But just to recap for you, uh, throughout this time of prayer, we dedicated 24 hours, the first 24 hours, to the theme of drawing nearer to God. And uh, the, the beautiful psalm that we had concerning the, the, the hungering and thirsting after the presence of the Lord. As the deer pants for the water, so my thought, soul pants for you. I thirst for you, living God. Then the next 24 hours, we spent time praying about lining up with the vision. And I was listening and participating in many of those hours of prayer and delighted to see so many people praying right in line with what God has called us to do. Our vision statement is London and the world for Christ. That's our mission statement, London and the world for Christ. And uh, in recent decades, the last two decades, 20 years or so ago, we adopted a cell vision according to the model of 12, and that cell vision is being refreshed. Uh, more about that this coming Wednesday, I'll tell you a little bit later. But people lining up with the strategy and the vision of the house. And we know the vision is Jesus, but whenever we see Jesus, we also hear him. We don't just see him, we hear him. And, and we have a vision of him, we see him, and then he shares with us his vision for our lives. And that's written throughout scripture. It is, it is consistent, Genesis through Revelation. We spent quite a bit of time on that, that God is calling us to send us out, that we would shine for his glory, and that we would be salt and light, and that we would preeminently preach the gospel, live the gospel, and this is what our nation and indeed the world needs. Um, many people are coming to Christ during this time, and I encourage you to stir up that spirit of evangelist in you to share Christ with your friends and your family and people, and where, however, there's many, many ways of doing it. But the last 24 hours, and we're in them now, the closing stages, we gave time to a verse, Isaiah chapter 60 and verse 18. Let me read it before I go back to Isaiah 59. Isaiah 60 verse 18. No longer will violence be heard in your land, nor ruin or destruction within your borders, but you will call your walls salvation and your gates praise. And just imagine... If a verse like this began to apply to London, that London would be a place where ruin and violence and, and error and untruth and destruction and devastation 
were banned because God had embraced this city with his arms of love and built a wall of salvation around it. We're going to come back to that. But I wanted to give you a bit of a flow because each of these chapters, chapter 60, chapter 59, and chapter 61, each of these, the opening verses are stupendous. Chapter 59, verse 1 and 2. Surely the arm of the Lord is not too short to save, nor is ear too dull to hear, but your iniquities have separated you from your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you, so that he will not hear. Then it goes on to speak about some of the the things that were there in ancient Judah where Isaiah was prophesying. And then this wonderful verse in verse 20, the Redeemer will come to Zion to those in Jacob who repent of their sins, declares the Lord. And um, we had repentance high on, on the agenda, but, but not in a formal, legalistic, religious way. But it's all about relationship with Jesus. The closer you draw to Jesus, the more you draw away from the things that distract you from Jesus and your sins. And there was so much beautiful heart searching. I didn't find anybody dropped into a spirit of condemnation or self-loathing or a spirit of worldly brokenness. No, no, there is a spiritual brokenness, a godly repentance, a godly sorrow that leads to repentance, leads to life. And so it's so wonderful that there's been a cleansing. Now, also, what I'd like to point to is the fact that when we as God's house begin to turn from our wicked ways and come to, to approach him more, more, more intimately and, and in, a, in the path of holiness, something happens to us. Not only are our lives cleansed, but we begin to create a spiritual atmosphere. And that's where I want to go, a spiritual atmosphere. And I believe the atmosphere will have changed over your life. Wednesday prayer meeting, I did a little uh, a presentation on the story of David who was attacked in Ziglag, King David, well, before he had actually come to the throne. And the Amalekites had come and taken everything and the city, that dwelling place was burnt with fire. But David took 500 men and pursued went into the enemy's camp. That's where we get the song from. I went into the enemy's camp and took back what he stole from me. Took back what he stole from me. I went, I'm not going to sing it, enemy's camp. And he's under my feet, he's under my feet. And so the interesting thing was, was that everybody was exhausted. Everybody's exhausted. And 200 were too tired to travel. So they said, we're going to stay here. You go on, we'll look after the baggage. And anyway, the 300 went on and they recovered everything, and David came back, and some of the worthless fellows, I think the NIV said, all right, you guys who stayed here, you didn't come up with us to the battle, you know, you guys, uh, while we were seeking God, whatever you were doing, you weren't, you weren't with us, uh, and, and then some of them said, they don't deserve the spoil, and David said, no, it became a statute in Israel for that time on, that those who stay behind will be equal sharers in the spoil. And so that's the spirit of generosity. So I want to tell you that even if you've not actually participated in this, this is still for you. This is still for you because we have gone 
and we have gone to the enemy's camp and we've spoiled his goods and there is so much blessing coming your way and we welcome you, we embrace you and those of us who spent that time, we're not going to rise up in a spirit of self-righteousness. Everything we owe to the grace of God. So here we have Isaiah 59 verse 1, repentance, restoration and deliverance. And then Isaiah 60 verse 1 begins with this, wonderful uh, verse, which is a prayer line for us and has been for many years. Arise, shine, for your light has come and the glory of the Lord rises on you. So when you put yourself low and when you humble yourself before the Lord and say, God, we need you, we empty ourselves of all of our own selfish concerns and we say, God, have your way in our lives. Do you know what happens? The glory comes. And I believe there's a whole pack of glory coming our way, not because we have merited it, but because we have sought the face of Jesus and he's shining afresh on his lives. So are you ready? Are you ready here and now? Just, just remain seated where you are. And I want to declare to you in the name of Jesus. Are you ready? Are you ready? Give me plenty of volume. My voice has been 50 hours of all kinds of talking and praying. So... All right, are you ready? Come on, out, out there, are you ready? Yeah, yeah, okay, right out there, are you ready? All right, arise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Amen and amen, okay. <laughs> Straining my, my vocal cords, I just have to take a little sip of water. All right, there we go. And then I'll come back to Isaiah chapter 60 and, and verse 18. But then let's go on to Isaiah chapter 61. And this is also what we're going to experience and indeed have experienced. Isaiah 61. I mean, these are some of the, our three most favorite verses. Isaiah 61 verse 1. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom from the, for the captives and release from darkness for, for, for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow, to provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. I can't stop reading. It goes on. I'll have to stop, but it goes on to wonderful things. And so I believe that as, as we now begin to come out of these 72 hours of prayer and fasting, we've got a way to go. But when we come out of it, we are going to walk in holiness, in a way which is going to be refreshing and beautiful. We're going to walk in the glory of the Lord in a way that is so splendid. And we are going to walk under his anointing. And God is going to give us a fresh ability to preach the gospel. Let me tell you a few things about that. Now, uh, in the cell vision, what we have is what we call the prayer of three or the evangelism of three. So you get two or three people in the cell, and we write down usually a list of 10 people that we're praying for, but highlight the three that the Holy Spirit lays on our heart. People who we know 
uh, uh, God is working in their lives and we want to draw them in, not just to say, see them pray the prayer of salvation, but for them also to be discipled into fellowship and into the Christian community. Then we pray every day for those people, and then we invite them to some kind of an event. We have the Alpha program, which is for, for non-believers. We have lots of creative ways of doing that. And so that is where, where we're going to spend our focus. And um, sometimes that's slow work, um, and sometimes it takes time. But nevertheless, as we persist, God will give us the breakthrough. And then there's this joy of just overflowing for Jesus wherever you go. So I have the primary cell is, of course, the leader of the men's network and the leader of KTLCC, but I have a second cell. And these are fine men, amazing men. And, and some of them, so one we're talking this week in our cell meeting, they said, you know, what, what, do I, what I do is I take fruit with me. What, the fruit of the spirit? Yes, that as well, but fruit. So when you see people who are starving in the streets, and don't forget the tourism is so down that many of the people that rely on, uh, on receiving uh, some blessing and help from passers-by are really struggling. And so it takes some, some fruit, and then it takes some tracks, and so on. And so there's so many ways. Our, uh, we've had people come to Christ through street evangelism, and not just come to Christ and disappear off to Prague or wherever they came from. We've had people also join the church and join cells. And so lots and lots of different ways that we can evangelize, and we can be sure that God's Spirit is going to be upon us. So let's get back to Isaiah 60 and verse 18. Trying to set a little bit of context of this, so let you know exactly what we are doing with this verse. Um, and essentially, it's a prophecy concerning restoration, when God was going to restore his presence. And it is a kind of picture or a, a foretaste of the, the new Jerusalem that's coming down from heaven, like a bride prepared for her husband. And the language here is the language of the city of God, which is God's people, really. It's not bricks and mortar. Um, and uh, so God promises, he says, now look, the walls of your city will be called walls of salvation. And the gates of your city will be called gates of praise. Now, I have lots of ways that I'd like you to take this tonight. All right, take this away with you tonight. But let me begin with the big picture. The big picture is changing the spiritual atmosphere of our city. Now, we know London is a target for every uh, organization, and uh, everybody heads to the city, and they, they want to make their name here. And there's all kinds of stuff out there, different voices, competing voices, and it's not all godly. In fact, it is quite hard to hear the godly voices above all the tumult. And one of the reasons for this is the need for spiritual warfare. And by that, I don't mean climbing the highest tower and yelling your lungs out at the devil who's probably just laughing at you but actually to flow with the Holy Spirit and to bring the presence of God. God's presence dwells amongst his people. And when we cultivate God's presence and when we wait on him, his presence comes. And that brings a change of atmosphere. And I am pretty sure that the spiritual atmosphere has changed. 
Now, we need to persist and to keep on doing this. Let me uh, give you a, a, a kind of example. So, oh, let's, let's go to Bogota, Colombia. Now, uh, 20 years ago, when we went to Bogota for the first time, that's where we got the teaching on the G12, and we adopted that. Uh, but of course, the G12 belongs to a particular ministry, and so we didn't hold to the to the to the actual title of that, and but we we maintained the principle. So we ran according to the principle of 12. And uh, back in the day, uh, Marcelo and others will remember, and Amanda will remember, and those who were with us there, that it was remarkable to see that anointing for multiplication. Thousands upon thousands. I, I can't. I can't remember now, but I think the youth group was a minimum of sixty thousand people. Uh, uh, we were there at an ordination service. This is the kind of ordination that my own beloved denomination, Elam, needs to take note of. Uh, and, and when they had won five thousand people for Christ and were discipling them, then they were ordained as pastors. Now, for some. <laughs> Some of us, we might spend the whole of our lives before touching those kind of numbers. And then, of course, the excuses come. Say, oh, well, you know, they've got revival over there. You know, it's Latin America. Could never happen in London, blah, blah, blah. But, of course, it did happen in London. It is happening in London. Now, what is the, what's wrong with that thinking? So if you go back a few years, that's 20 years ago, but if you go back a few years before that, you would find that there was so much prayer in uh, um, Colombia, is that, that is, yeah, Colombia, so much prayer in, in Colombia and so much worship and so much spiritual warfare that they managed to change the spiritual atmosphere. And what was a very difficult place to minister, very difficult place, there was a spirit of religion over that and all kinds, we know there's all kinds of movement that have come out of Latin America and we know that Colombia was plagued for some time by all kinds of illegal activity and um, all, all, all kinds of, it's, it's well known uh, for its uh, center of crime and, and so forth. But in the midst of that, the spiritual atmosphere changed. And what did God do? He built the walls of salvation around that city and many other cities so that people who will go into that atmosphere would be more open to spiritual things than, than they would ever be normally. Why? Because the spiritual atmosphere is cleansed and that there is becomes rather like an open heaven, an open heaven. Also, let's go to Brazil. Marcelo is here from Brazil. And um, I, I recall my first time in Brazil was uh, 1991, which 2021 will make it how many years? Is that 30 years? Yeah. Now, but next year will be 30 years. 30 years next year. I know I look far too young, but that's the anointing, okay? He renews your youth like the eagles. Amen and amen. Just with a little of encouragement, I might fly here today. All right, so uh, that is nearly 30 years ago. And um, even then, in 1991, the Brazil that we were introduced to was, was not the Brazil of five years from then, 10 years from then, when there would be up to 1 million, 2 million people marching for Jesus in, in um, Sao Paulo. I remember uh, preaching at the beginning of the March for Jesus in Sao Paulo, then I caught a plane and closed the March for Jesus in Rio de Janeiro. 
And it was just like the whole nation was shaken. And, you know, you kind of think that, well, you know, this is Brazil. Uh, and there's a great evangelical move in Brazil, but it wasn't always that way. Go back a little more than 30 years, and in fact, kind of around that time when the marches for Jesus were, were beginning, um, you know, I, we're, us coming from Britain, we're so happy to be in that spiritual atmosphere, and, and we thought we'd, we had died and gone to heaven. It was amazing. And uh, they said, well, it's always been this way. They said, no, it's not. I forget whichever year it was, but um, one of the leaders said, you know, five, ten years ago, people would have been ashamed to walk in the streets with an evangelical T-shirt. Uh, and, and, but what happened? What happened? God broke the bars asunder. God opened the heavens and built a wall of salvation. Um, after a while, statistics get meaningless in a way, uh, but, but I would say millions of people came to Christ I would say from maybe the 1990s uh, and right the way through to the year 2000, millions came to Christ, 10, 20 million right across the nation. And there was a, a kind of evangelical revival. And by the way, in the midst of that, there was such a glorious anointing for healing, miracles, signs and wonders. And I could spend the rest of the prayer time that we have till midnight describing some of those. Now, what's the difference? What's the difference? I remember... Once uh, we were preaching when we had London Arena for one of our meetings and I preached a message and um, it was a strong message and um, we got on the plane afterwards, flew into Sao Paulo and I think 24 hours later, I was up before crowds of people and I thought, you know what, there's a lot of good stuff left in this message, so I'll preach this message and preached this message and, and it was amazing and wonderful results, hundreds came to Christ and my team afterwards said, that was a great message. We've never heard you preach that message before. And I said, oh, yes, you heard me. This was Tuesday. You heard me preach that on Sunday in London Arena. And they said, well, it didn't sound like that. And what was the difference? The difference was you're stepping into a place where the atmosphere is cleansed, where God is opening heaven. And at that time, great things happen. So now what we are believing God for and we're a little way off this, quite a way off this, we're believing that God will build the walls of salvation around the city. Now, in, in some respects, we are well on the way because uh, there are more Christians in, in London, not just because of the population, but pro by proportion of the population. And some people come to London and to see the great things that are happening here, the great churches, the the huge churches of multi-thousands who have big auditoria and wonderful things. And, 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 and we, we have been not, not far behind that and actually leading the way in, in many respects over, over the decades. And uh, people, when, when I, I, I was traveling on, on, on the continent, they, they were saying, gosh, we, we, we wish we could come to London because what you have is revival by comparison to what we have. So there, there, there's some good things happening. But imagine that if we keep uh, preaching the gospel, living the life, praying, seeking the face of God, worshiping him, every act of worship, every act of obedience, every act of proclamation is another uh, step towards the cleansing of the spiritual atmosphere. And so what that means is that God himself builds a wall of salvation 
which means inside those walls, what is manifested of the walls of salvation, inside those walls, what is manifested? Salvation. And this is our beginning point. So that is uh, for overall for the city. But we want to see the walls of salvation. Let, let us go now personally and build it up outwards over our own hearts and lives. We want to dwell in the midst of the spirit of salvation. We want to dwell in the midst of the joy of the Lord and under the protection of God, walking in salvation, having a, a mind that is influenced, a healed, sound, saved mind. And that's, that it is great, but, but you know, you can't take it for granted. You can't say, because I confess Christ, that's the end of it. No, we have to maintain our spiritual walk. We have to ensure that our minds are kept focused on the presence of Jesus and on his kingdom and on the word of God. So I'm encouraging you to maintain and step up all the more your regular prayer time. Don't go back to business as usual. Keep Step up your own personal prayer life and, and build disciplines in. While this is delightful, make the most of it, build disciplines. And also in the scriptures, make sure that you are reading the Bible. And I, I have to read the Bible just to cleanse my mind because this, this world is polluting our thoughts. And I, I don't just mean because uh, we, we are opening ourselves up to forces and influences. It's just the spiritual atmosphere in which we live. And I find there's a, there's a great danger here because uh, during lockdown, some people seem to have had more time than sense uh, and they're searching the internet for all kinds of stuff and they're listening to all kinds of things which, which is polluting our minds. And uh, don't believe just because it is uh, not mainstream media that they're actually speaking the truth. I've done some investigation on some things and found that there are lies and stronger than that out there trying to draw us away from our simplicity in Christ and to distract us from the major purpose that we have is of preaching the gospel and being salt and light around us. And so that's why I call you to be sure that you are dwelling yourself under if you understand what I mean, the spirit of salvation is not exactly a, a correct term, but, but with a saved mindset and walking in salvation. And uh, in that way, you will find peace. And I'm going to come back to that in a moment. But then I want you also to think, right, okay, not just build the walls of salvation around my own mind and my own heart, that I might be protected from all the stuff that's coming in that will confuse me, discourage me, disappoint me, and oppress me. But believe God for the walls of salvation to be built around your family. Um, there is such a thing as household salvation. God sets his love not just upon individuals, but upon families and upon tribes and upon nations. And so we need to have faith to believe that as we seek God, the influences of the spirit that are upon, is upon, upon us will begin to influence those around us and build a wall of salvation and protection around your family. And then you can go further into the other, as you extend the sphere of your influence, around a particular people group or a group of people that you are reaching or an office or a, or, or a, a, a company or, or a school or a college or a business or in fact a whole industry, a whole domain of society. And, you know, we, we have got to start to believe God. Well, 
I'm not saying we have to start. Many of us are believing God. We've got to make sure that we're believing God for big things. God wants to pour out his spirit in amazing proportions. I don't think we have yet seen the fulfillment of what the Holy Spirit showed me probably way back in the early 1990s, where God said, I have still yet more grace to pour out upon London. And as we seek his face, cry out to him, God is going to pour out the spirit of grace on you and on your family and those that he sends you to. So that is the spirit of salvation. Now, I just wanted to uh, minister this in a slightly different way. If you are kind enough to turn to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 11. This came up in one of our prayer lines yesterday. Matthew, chapter 11. And it's this beautiful passage of the rest that Jesus has for us. This morning, one of the services, I ministered briefly on the Mary and Martha situation. Mary was sitting at the feet of Jesus and her soul was at rest because she was dwelling under the spirit of salvation. She was listening to the master. And poor old Martha, who gets a lot of bad press, and I've got a soft spot for her, but she allowed herself to be distracted. And our service for God should never distract us from his presence. Everything that we do for Jesus must flow out of our relationship with him. And here it is. Uh, Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. And I would, this is what I've been praying for. I want, I want us to know what it is to rest in the Lord, to rest in his presence, to take his yoke upon us. Now, Bible scholars tell us that the yoke is technical language for the kingdom of God. So Jesus says, take the yoke of my kingdom on you, and I won't lay anything ill-fitting on you, something that is heavy and harsh. He says, I will so mold my yoke around you and so shape you into the mold of my yoke that as you are yoked to me, you will find that your path will be easy. Now, this, this doesn't mean to say we don't have to work, all right? But it does mean that we serve Jesus from a place of rest. And, 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 and we need it. We need it. Um, there, there's so much to agitate our spirits, so much to bring discouragement and anxiety. Um, in the very early, early days of the lockdown, when you know, all this was going on, you know, so we were glued to the television, listening to every, every report, and after a, a little while, it was quite easy to feel depressed because you were filling your mind with all the negativity that was going on. And, and, and obviously, we wanted to keep abreast of it. But there comes a time when you have to take a step back and say, God, there may be a storm raging around me, but I want to rest with you in the back of the boat. 
I know, Lord, that there is a whole lot to do out there, so much to do to serve you, but I want my service to come from a place of rest and joy and peace. And, and, and in this context, that one of the primary things that Jesus is driving at is the, the contrast between the yoke of religion and the yoke of the kingdom. And what is the big difference between a, a religious person who is only religious and a person who is in a restful relationship with Jesus? And what the difference is this. We don't have to prove ourselves to be acceptable to God. There's nothing that we have to do before he will receive us. Jesus has done it all. So we enter into the rest of Jesus, into his accomplished work, into his finished work, so that everything we do is the overflow of gratitude and the joy of our salvation. And there is no one more passionate, no one who loves more than the one who knows that his sins, her sins are forgiven. And this is the beautiful rest of all things. But also, it's not just the knowledge that your sins are forgiven. It's the deep experience of the love of God for you. I, I, I find that many, many people go through much of their life never having truly experienced the love of God to the point where they could say, Lord, I rest in your unfailing love. I am so grateful that many of the worship songs of intimacy speak about this and encourage us to draw closer to God in the knowledge of his love for me. I heard the story of a man who was, won't give you his name, but a man whom many of you may know, he's with the Lord Jesus now, a man who was used in evangelical circles in this nation in a singular way. A scholar, a man who had founded churches, a man who had founded Bible schools, a man who had founded relief agencies, a man whose life was just so, so full of Jesus. And nearing the end of his life, and just sharing and praying for his grandson, actually, he broke down in tears until the whole of the floor was saturated with his tears in front of him and asked what was wrong, why there was nothing wrong. He just said, I'm just so amazed by how much God loves me. Wow, that's wonderful. Uh, and this is supernatural realization. It's supernatural love. Uh, it's, it's a supernatural revelation of God's love and experience of his love. And so walking with Jesus is walking with the one who is pure love. And he invites you into this relationship. Throughout today, I've been challenging people who may be under the sound of my voice and you don't yet know Jesus. Please, please, please give up on religion. I suppose people will call us religious. But for me, it's not really a compliment. Religion is about my efforts. But 
The Christian faith is about what Jesus has done. It's about his love for, for me and my response to his love. And, and that is the most healing thing of all, to know that God loves me despite everything. And, and he has so, so decisively dealt with everything that is unclean, everything that's offensive, because the blood of Jesus, God's son, cleanses and keeps on cleansing from every sin. And so as we turn our focus outward to see what we are to do, to pray for salvation and the spirit of salvation to be poured out upon our church and our families and upon our society. And as we come back to be more disciplined than ever before, to do what he's called us to do. And it is about serving him. And it is tiring, right? I'm, I'm, so these people say, oh, no, 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 no. This means I, I don't have to do anything. I just sit back and it's all the grace of God, the grace of God, the love of God. You know, I just come before Jesus and I worship him and he loves on me. And then I go home and come back and do it again. And nothing else, nothing is achieved. That's not the experience of God's love. When you experience God's love, when you really experience God's love, what comes to mind? What verse of scripture comes to mind? The most famous verse of scripture probably ever. God so loved the world, the world, that he gave his only son, his unique son, so that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. I, I can't believe people who think they are so spiritual that, that they spend so much time supposedly in the presence of God, but never open their mouth to share the love of God with other people. And, and you know, when you're full of love, there is no intimidation, no intimidation. And uh, when, when you speak out for him, doesn't mean everybody's going to immediately fall down and say, oh, God is in you. It's amazing. Uh, you will be ridiculed. You will be rejected and so forth. And sometimes it gets worse before it gets better because people are struggling. They're struggling and resisting the flowing of the Holy Spirit and the attraction of the Holy Spirit until finally they come and say, I surrender to you, Lord. And in surrendering to Jesus, you're not surrendering to a merely human being. You're not surrendering to some governmental authority. You are not actually giving away your own free will. What is actually happening is his love has won you over. And now what is it's a delight to walk with Jesus. It's a delight to be in his presence. And this kind of reality, real relationship, you don't have to be perfect. And I think that's good news for a few people here because there's quite a few perfect people, but I see one or two imperfect people. No, we're all, we're all, we're all imperfect. So it, because it's not about us. There's got to be some credibility uh, about our lives. Of course there is. But, but I, I, you know, don't think that you've got to know everything, that you've got to be, you know, so perfect before people will respond to you when you talk about Jesus. All you have to do is be real because we are all disciples. Disciples are imperfect learners. We are not yet what we shall be, but thank God we are certainly not what we used to be. Amen.
and amen. And so, how do we build up the walls of salvation? Um, prayer is vital. And what, what, what will happen? What will happen if we build up the walls of salvation around our ministry? And by that, I, I, I don't mean to be selfish and to say we only think about KTLCC, but it's a, a citywide, a London-wide vision. We have many churches and cells which are planted all over the city. We have a little bit of a presence in lots of different places. But, but when we build up the walls of salvation, what happens is that spiritual atmosphere is going to change over our ministry. And what we do for Jesus, if it is led by the Holy Spirit, and, as, and we truly serve him in all our weaknesses, faults, and failures, and we put things right when we go wrong, uh, and we reconcile when we fall out, and we pray for those who are angry with us and, and so on, and we call them back, call them back. People have been hurt and offended and, and find all kinds. Of, if, you, if, you, if you can be offended, you will be offended. That's a guarantee. But we love, we bless, we forgive, and we call people back into the fellowship of the church. So many people I've heard say, I've given up on the church. Why? There's no love in the church. It's all the leaders, this, all the people that God help us. Amen. We lay down our offense and we say, God, be merciful to me because I'm probably worse than the rest of them. Help us, Lord. And when we build up those walls of salvation, we will find the influence will extend. Now, there are big battles out there. It's not going to be plain sailing. In fact, there are going to be bigger battles than we've ever faced as we go forward and closer to the return of Jesus Christ. But with bigger battles come bigger outpourings of the Spirit, bigger manifestations of the Holy Spirit. Amen and amen. I'll preach this message and preach this message and, and it was amazing wonderful results 